I've mentioned several times my favorite part of that song is the second verse. "'Twas grace that taught my heart to fear, and grace my fears relieved." Grace cuts both ways, and both ways are God's grace in showing us what we should be afraid of about ourselves and then touching us once again and taking those fears away. This passage we're about to read uh, touches on that same idea as well, only it's in the terms of blindness and seeing. Uh, There's a time in our lives that we desperately need to realize how blind we are. This is the end of a story, and we're going to work our way through the story in a moment. But the story is about a man who was blind, and Jesus healed him. And all that happens to that man on what should have been the most joyful day of his life, he ends up being ostracized and sitting off all by himself. And only Jesus goes to find him. So we're going to read the last part of the story where Jesus finds the man and visits with him. Let's be standing, please, as we hear this, the word of God. Jesus heard that they had thrown him out. And when he found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? Who is he, sir? The man asked. Tell me, so I may believe in him. Jesus said, You have now seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking with you. Then the man said, Lord, I believe, and he worshiped him. Jesus said, For judgment I have come into this world, so that the blind will see, and those who see will become blind. Now some Pharisees who were with him heard him say this and asked, What? Are we blind too? Jesus said, Oh, If you were blind, you would not be guilty of sin. But now that you claim you can see, your guilt remains. May God bless the reading of his word. These things are going on. So this is one of the best stories to do that in. It's a little lengthy, uh, all of chapter 9 of John. I invite you, if you want to, to uh, have it open there in front of you if you want to follow along. And I'm going to tell you some of the things that I see as we join this man and his journey with Jesus. But there's probably other things that you will see as well. And if you can take those home with you, then we will have been successful in this time today. This story occurred when Jesus is walking along with some of his disciples. And off to the side there, they see a man who is blind. And it's pointed out that this man has been blind since he was born. Now, how did they know that unless he had a sign that around his neck saying, I've been blind since I was born? But probably because his eyes were malformed. It was obvious that he had not gone blind at a later time, but he was born without the ability to see at all. And so they see him there. He's probably sitting there and begging, which is about the only occupation someone with this kind of disability could have had during that time. And the disciples see him and say something rather strange. They say instead, oh, look at the man, and, 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 and I so, feel sorry for him. Do we have any money with us to give to him? They begin a theological discussion. And in doing so, they reveal not only their theology, they reveal their anthropology as well. 
They say, Jesus, who sinned to cause this man to be born blind? Was it his parents that sinned, or was it he who sinned? Now, this was a common debate, especially at that time. We still kind of have this debate, but not quite in the same terms, but we still closely connect many times sin with the results in our lives, which we should, but Jesus basically looks at them and says, you know what? Your theology stinks, and your anthropology stinks as well. For one thing, I worry about this guy sitting there. He's sitting there begging, and he's got people standing around discussing whether his parents were sinners or he was a sinner. Now, he may have heard that discussion before, but isn't it interesting how they have labeled this man and how they have objectified this man? He was simply a place, a talking point, a place to begin the talk. Jesus says, let me correct your theology for one thing. Sin had nothing to do with this man being born blind. Now, it wasn't because his parents had committed sin that they were punished by having a blind baby. Nor certainly was it that this little baby, before he was born, he had committed some kind of sin, that he would be born blind. You got to get a better theology. And while you're at it, get a better anthropology too, another view of people. Let me tell you what you should have seen when you saw this man. What you should have seen was an opportunity for service. He says, this man is sitting here today so that we can do something to help him. Isn't that interesting? That that really is the call that Jesus has on our lives whenever we run across someone who perhaps is in a situation like this. One of the reasons that I love Rust Street is I think it has the view that Jesus really promotes in these verses here. Is that we don't judge people as to, well, why don't you have any money? Why don't you have any food? Did you go spend it all at the bar last night? Maybe. You know? Why don't you have this? Why don't you? Well, how did you get yourself in this fix to begin with? No. There is need there. And therefore, our calling, as Jesus says, is to do the work of the Lord while the sun still shines. And when we see those who are in need, our calling as disciples of Jesus is to minister to that need. And Jesus goes on to say, and let me tell you what, I, as long as I am on this earth, I am the light of the world. So I can do something directly about this situation. And he does. As we continue reading the story, we see that he spits on the ground You didn't know you were going to hear a gross story when you came to church today, did you? He spits on the ground, and he stirs up the spit with the mud. I didn't write this. Look at me. (laughs) And he takes that mud, and he spreads it on the man's eyes. And he says, now you go to the pool of Siloam. Now, there were lots of pools in Jerusalem. I don't know why he picked Siloam. It may have been the closest one. I don't know. He says, you go to the pool of Siloam and wash that off. And the man did. 
Now, once again, to sort of play with this story a little bit, I wonder if he had some friends that took him by the hand and helped him find the pool. Or maybe he had been there before and having coped with blindness all of his life, he was able to navigate the narrow streets there by, by, by hearing and by touch. But he made his way to the pool of Siloam. And once there, he dipped his hand down in the water and began to splash water on his face and wipe away the mud. And as he did that, and then he opened his eyes, he could see. Now, you've got to stop right there in the story and just let that soak in, don't you? What must be going through that, mind, that man's heart and mind at that very moment? Did if you see the news story that was played several times on different stations, I noticed over the last couple of days, about the woman who had never heard in her whole life? Did anyone see that? And they had done the implants to allow her to hear. And they took a video of her when she heard the first words she had ever heard spoken in her life. If you saw that, the joy and the tears, and just she couldn't sit still. She was just going berserk that she was hearing something for the first time. Well, I thought about that as I was thinking about this story, that, wow, you know this guy, for the first time he could see, and the joy that he felt, and the wonder. I, I, I just sort of think, well, wow, did things look like he thought they looked like? You know, he had only been able to feel things, to hear things. And, and did they look like what he thought they would look like? But just the overwhelming joy that now I'm normal. Now I'm like everybody else. I can fit in. I can live my life the way everyone else is living their lives. And so the story then takes him back to his own neighborhood. I want to say he ran back to his own neighborhood. You know, he had probably never gotten to run before. I have a little blind dog, and uh, he loves to run, but he can only run whenever our other dog is running right beside him. (laughs) And so you just see the joy in that little blind dog's face whenever we run down the street because he normally can't run. He's afraid to run. He will run into something. So I don't know, had this man ever run before? So he runs back to his neighborhood, and he starts greeting his friends and neighbors. Look, hey, hey, hey. And his friends and neighbors, and I've got nothing here. I don't know why they did this, but they started looking at him saying, who are you? Some said, well, he looks like that guy that was blind. And the others said, well, it can't be him because this guy can see. Isn't it interesting that, as far as they knew, this was just the blind guy? They put that label on him. That's who he was. That's who he was supposed to be. Did they really even know him as a person? No. He was the blind guy. And now that he wasn't blind anymore, they didn't know who he was. Is it you? Yes, it's me. Well, how can you see then? And he said, well, I went down and I was sitting there and this this man named Jesus came along and he made some mud and he put it on my eyes and he told me to go wash it. I went and washed it. Now I can see. Well, what do you do with that? Well, I'll tell you what I think I would do. I would throw a party. Wouldn't you? 
I'd, ha- I'd hire Gus Constancio to come over and set up his DJ stuff and let's have a party. We have a friend here who was blind and now he can see. That's not what these guys did at all. They were just confused. They wanted to know, well, how did this happen? Did it really happen? And should it really have happened? So they take him to the preacher, (laughs) the Pharisees, the religious experts. And they say, this guy here says he used to be blind. He looks like the guy that we knew who was blind, but now he can see. What do you make of this? And so they start asking him, well, what happened? He said, well, this guy named Jesus, he spit on the ground, he made some mud, he put it, whoa, 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 just stop right there. We have a problem. What's the problem? Oh, yeah, Sabbath. It's the Sabbath. And on the Sabbath, you don't do things like that. One, you don't spit on the ground on the Sabbath. Because if you spit on the ground, you're going to make mud, and making mud is work. I'm not, I'm, this, is, this is true. This is the way the Pharisees interpreted the law. Now, that is not Old Testament, but it is what they thought Old Testament was. And so when it came Sabbath, you, if you had to spit, you had to spit on a rock, all right? They had this all detailed. If you had to blow your nose, you couldn't carry a handkerchief. You had to wear a scarf around your neck, and then it was a piece of clothing, and you could turn the scarf around and blow your nose, but you had to put it back on. See, uh, I know. Y'all, y'all just grossing y'all out big time today, aren't I? Yeah. So, and then he healed on the Sabbath. Well, that sounds like work, doesn't it? To heal sounds like you accomplished something, you worked, even though they couldn't do it. You just, you know. So what is he doing healing on the Sabbath? Obviously, this man is a sinner. He is not from God because he's not doing things the way we think they should be done. Interesting, isn't it? He didn't fit their story. They had their story. They had everything figured out the way it was supposed to work, the way it worked best for them. And anything that came along that didn't fit their story obviously didn't even happen. So what do you do with a blind man who now can see and yet you can't accept that he was made to see by Jesus because Jesus is a sinner? You get all the logic going on here? Well, the only conclusion is he weren't never blind. Uh, that's, have you ever uh, seen on TV or something, or I know used to, we had faith healers would come to town and they would bring their friends with them that had all these problems and they would fix the problems. What was the general conclusion that about the friends they brought with them with the problems? They didn't have the problems to begin with. You know, here's a guy that has back pain and all of a sudden he can jump up and walk. So many of us think, well, did he really have back pain? Could he really not have walked? So they call the parents in of this man. And they say, okay, is this your son and was he born blind? And why is it now he can see? Well, the parents have a problem here. Because the parents know that if they do anything to give any credence to Jesus, they're going to get kicked out of the synagogue, out of their community. They won't have any of their friends anymore. And so what they say is this. Number one, yeah, that's our son. Number two, he was born blind. We don't know why he can see now. He's of age. He's a grown man. You ask him. Way to go, parents. 
<laughs> a lot of help there, right? So they call the man back in a second time. And they say, okay, we've discussed this. And what you're going to have to do is just say, okay, a miracle happened in your life. God did it, but it has nothing to do with this man Jesus because this man Jesus is obviously a sinner. To which the man replies, he says, you know, I don't know whether he's a sinner or not, but I do know that I was blind and now I see. And they said to him, well, what did he do? How did he open your eyes? And they said, why? I already told you before and you're not even listening to me. Do you want me to tell you again so maybe you'll start believing me and you can be one of his disciples? They go, no, 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 no. We're not his disciple. You're his disciple. We are disciples of Moses. We know that God spoke through Moses. But this man, we don't even know where he came from. And then the, the blind man or the formerly blind man says, that's strange. You're supposed to be people of God. Here this guy has done something that no one has ever done before and you don't even know where he's from. To which they pull out their ace in the hole. We don't have to listen to you. You were born in sin anyway. End of story. Back full circle. We have our story. You don't fit. So you have to leave. And they kicked him out. Kicked him out of the synagogue. Kicked him out of their lives. They just didn't want to have to worry about something like that and try to figure it out. And the only person that went to find this man is Jesus. Think how many people have let this guy down. I can't get away from the point that this should have been the greatest day in his life. And I believe it did finally end up being that way. But what should have been the greatest day of his life he finds himself sitting all by himself and no one will even talk to him. Jesus finds him and says, do you believe in the Son of Man? And he answered, who is he? Tell me. I want to believe in him. And Jesus said, you're looking at him. The one who is talking to you now. And he said, Lord, I believe. And Jesus goes on to say, this is why I came into the world, so that people who can't see may see, and those who think they see might become blind. Some of the Pharisees said, whoa, are you calling us blind? And he said, oh no, you're not blind, because if you were blind, then you would be made whole. But because you think you see, you're going to live in your blindness forever. I hear and see a lot of things in this story. I want to just share again. We've already hit the points a few times, but I hope that you've walked around in this story and you have your own ideas. One thing that really occurs to me is that this man responded to Jesus before he ever saw him. He responded to the voice of Jesus and to the touch of Jesus. And because he responded to his voice and to his touch, then he could see. I think this is the way it happens in most of our lives, too. Jesus first calls to us, and we feel that tug of his voice saying, You, I want you. Come on, come on. And we feel the touch of his hand in our lives. And if we are responsive and we don't push back and say no, but if we do as he has bid us to do and we respond to him, he will open our eyes and we can see.
Another thing that occurs to me is how many times we label others and we look down on others. We see them as objects rather than opportunity to do the work of God. Jesus calls us to do God's work while it is still light. And every opportunity we have. Isn't this the story of the Good Samaritan? Who is my neighbor? The one who is near you. The one you come across that needs help. You don't walk around. You don't look and criticize. You don't put them down. But anyone who has need who is within your reach, that becomes your opportunity to serve God today. Also, this story reminds me of the danger of holding on to our own stories. You know, we all kind of figure out what's real for us and what's going to work for us. And we jump into our lives and start living them. And somewhere along the way, something doesn't work. It seems like things are getting worse rather than better. And it seems like we are just kind of caught in a vicious cycle. But we got to hold on to our story. Because we've decided this is the way it ought to be. Even though it doesn't work for us, we think if we try it harder, it one day will work. We think of people with addictions that do that. That they become addicted to a substance and they still think, but this is my life and I've got to hold on to it. And I can make this work some way. But it's not only that. It's those of us in our thinking and the way we live and our attitudes toward others. And even though we keep paying the price for our mistakes and for our blindness, we hold on to our story rather than letting go to the touch and the voice of Jesus. And then finally, Jesus' statement about we got to become blind before we can see. It is God's grace and mercy that Jesus came to judge this world. And while we may not think we want the judgment of Jesus, we need the judgment of Jesus. We need him to tell us, you're blind, and you need my power to see. We need to believe him when he says, your sins are tangling you and bringing you down and holding you down. Let me set you free. Jesus was walking along and saw a blind man. He said, I am the light of the world. Watch what I can do. I hope that as we read this story and as we watch it play out, we realize that the proper place for us to hear this story is from the viewpoint of the man born blind. And I hope that we have the same response that he has, that when Jesus speaks to us and touches us, we respond I once was blind, but now I see. Let's stand and sing.